Welcome to our second episode with Dr. Shelley Prasad. And this is a great episode. We had a lot of fun. We talked about a lot of things. We talked about sexual self-awareness, honoring the masculine, feminine, what that is. We get into kind of the energies of the masculine and feminine, how you can use that information to better your relationships. Uh, we talked about cultivating a deeper connection in your relationships. We also talked about No Nut November, and we'll get into that in this podcast. Talked about self-shame and being judgment-free and just building communications and trust. It was really a lot of fun. We had a great time. Hope you enjoy it. Uh, please subscribe and enjoy the podcast. Welcome, everybody. This is our very second episode and our very first guest with Dr. Shelly Prasad. Shelly, I am so happy that you are our first guest. It's been so long. How are you? I am wonderful. Thank you both for having me here. It is such a pleasure, mm. and I'm so excited to just be in this space, to have this conversation with you, to be raw and real and vulnerable, and to share. Yeah, so thank you both for inviting me. I am, I'm just... I'm bubbling with energy. <laughs> mm, Shelly, you are very welcome. <laughs> Shelly, um, it's been a long time. Like when I last saw you, you were in Patagonia, Arizona, southern border area, and um, you were living there for a while, but a lot has changed in your life. Can you kind of like maybe summarize the last decade? Like what have you, how have you evolved? That's a long story. Okay, let me try to make it short. <laughs> yes. So since what we last saw you, it was actually in Phoenix where we last yes. remember that dinner that we had. We had the dinner. We had the dinner there. Yeah. So shortly after that, I moved to Mexico. I opened a chiropractic practice in Puerto Penasco or Rocky Points. Spent two years there, and then the universe guided me to Puerto Vallarta. Opened a practice here, did that. But in the meantime, I was still doing my coaching, but I just felt that my chiropractic practice was a blockage. And thanks to COVID, COVID really forced me to go within and really question, is that really what I want? So believe it or not, in July, I actually handed over my chiropractic office to my associate chiropractor who was working for me so I can really truly dedicate all of my time, energy, and passion to what I love, to my soul's purpose, which is being a sexual empowerment coach, medicine woman, awakening people to their true and full potential. Nice. Now, wow. I would assume by that, and I don't, I don't want to assume this, but it feels like when I go to your website that your clients generally have vaginas. Is that true <laughs> or is that just my, you know, my inappropriate projection? Well, it's true to a sense that the majority of my clients are women. However, I do have a section on my website for men. And because I just transferred my website to a new platform, my website designer, marketing gal, she's not had the time 
so to say, to really get my website up and going for men. So it is coming. I do have a course, mm. a free ebook for men, and I'm actually in the process of creating some more programs for men. So men are not left out. But with that being said, one of the things that I do like to mention anytime that men reach out to me is usually I like to work with the women simply because the feminine energy is the guiding light in the relationship and in the world. So if I can awaken the woman, then she can guide her man if a man is partnered. Hmm. Oh, interesting. We could use some of that, huh, Chris? Uh, you know, I yeah, I just think it's like it it creates this dynamic almost. No, I I I very much look forward to hear more about that. Show. So I watched a movie called Tortilla Soup a while ago, and there's a line that I loved. I re- I don't remember any other line, but this line. The line is, a woman, the women are talking together, and they say, that's what we do. We take the men, and we make them better. <laughs> is that kind of what you're talking about? It's like there's something about the feminine energy that helps drive the, uh, you know, the desire to, to, to evolve, to improve. What, what are some of the relationship issues you see between men and women, Shelley? biggest one truly well there's two there's the imbalance in the masculine and feminine energy within ourselves Mm -hmm. that then is a reflection in the relationship between the masculine and feminine partner and when i say that i don't always mean that the feminine is the woman and the masculine is the man because every human on this planet has both masculine and feminine energy but Mm -hmm. usually the way that works best because women are a little bit more in tune with their feminine energy usually they can play that role of the feminine. Now, with that being said, I have worked with a lot of women who are more in their masculine energy and they have created a partner because opposites attract. So they've created a partner, a man who is more in his feminine energy and women are unhappy in those scenarios, but they're unwilling to let go of the control, to let go of their masculine energy. And usually it's not the divine masculine that they're embodying, which is why they struggle to let that go, to relax into their feminine, to empower their man to step into his masculine. So that's one issue. The other one is sex. Sex is one of the Mm. biggest issues that I deal with with couples. And that's an entire, we can go into that a little later if you guys want. We can go into it now. (laughs) Absolutely. Well, I mean, you're bringing it up, so... Well, you know, we I mean, got, you told we've got, we got two really juicy parts. So right. let's save the sex because yeah, let's, let's, I, think, I think I think what you said about masculine and feminine energy and balancing. I know Chris and I talk about this a lot because we do. We met, we met in a Fortune 500 company. We both. I'm a consultant. We both consult there, and so in the tech world, and especially in corporate America, you see a lot of successful women in the business world who, for whatever reason, and the reason is probably most likely that. For the last X amount of years in business, the rules have kind of been written by a certain type, not just men, but a certain kind of men. And this kind of like my way or the highway, you know, kind of guy. And that's kind of what the business from the 50s, you think of like madmen. And then that's kind of where our society is evolving from. And we see it a lot where these, you know, for lack of a better word, the, the women, the feminine inside these women dried up to a certain way. 
And so I can imagine as a sexual empowerment coach, you're seeing a lot of these kind of these corporate types who are used to embodying full on the masculine energy to, to succeed and to be successful business in business. How does that affect relationships? And we talk about that all the time, but I'd love to get your opinion on that. Yeah. With that. Oh, it's oh, like, I see so much of that. It just makes me, where do I even begin with this? So with that being said, I want to go back to when women started fighting for equal rights, unfortunately mm. it begins there because what I see a lot of is people blaming the men for creating these rules. However, women handed over their power to this programming. So it really is this toxic patriarchal programming of you have to do it the masculine way. You have to go, 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 do, do, do in order to be productive, successful, climb the corporate ladder. So is it the man's fault? Because a lot of women are angry at men for that programming. But right. what I often like to remind them is that you handed over your power to that programming. You bought into it. You continue to buy into it by not embracing your feminine energy, by being stuck in that go, 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 like that fast paced society. I have to be productive and productivity is equal to my worth and money is equal to my worth. Like, no, no. For us to truly change humanity and society, it starts with both men and women, but especially women, it starts with us in taking back our power and stop giving power to that programming because that programming is not necessarily men in general. They're not the problem. It's the programming. So patriarchy is a mindset. Patriarchy right. is not right. a masculine thing or a feminine thing. It's a mindset. Mm -hmm. And I, I have some dear friends who are both in the corporate world. The wife actually makes more money than the husband. But because she has climbed the corporate ladder, because she has given into that programming of what you have to do as a woman in that corporate world, she's completely given up her femininity and they've become roommates. They're best friends. They have no sex at all. There is no passion or lust or attraction anymore. And she's happy being in the relationship that way, but he's miserable, but he's loyal. Mm. So he will not leave the relationship. He oh. jokes about his lack of sex life. He jokes about what he has to do to take care of his own sexual needs, wants, and desires, but he's unhappy. So yeah, so it's 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 the child just hidden behind this facade of not what? being able to communicate clearly. How do how as a man, how can we recognize that early on, and what are we looking for? How can we kind of create the right kind of space from the beginning in a relationship? maybe, or even to talk about that. And then we could talk about how to fix it once it's right. beyond the pale. Right. Like there's a safe way of doing that. There's a safe way of expressing for the man, for the masculine and holding space. You know, it's interesting. Chris and I were having just a short conversation about like, what does that look like? And holding space as the masculine, like it just seems like uh, almost like this daunting thing, but also this kind of un, like uncategorized thing or undes undescribed thing. There's, there's not really clear parameters because it's different between every two people. 
Absolutely. Yeah, we're not really taught how to do this. We're not taught that it's a thing. <laughs> Most and, of us, right? And it's not—it's not easy. It takes—it takes, in my in my experience, it takes guts. It takes like to stand and and because the easy thing for a man is to is to kind of project an energy of like anger and like protection, saying you know you know blaming and shaming the woman for whatever. And so, Shelly, what does that look like for a man to kind of, you know, tr- create that, that, that space to, to do what you're talking about? Well, it comes back to really understanding the difference between wounded masculinity and femininity and divine masculinity and femininity. Mm-hmm. And then it comes to having the awareness of when you lose that attraction that was originally there with the whole saying opposites attract. And unfortunately, a lot of couples have misinterpreted that saying. So they look for opposite interest when they're dating, when they're meeting partners. They're not necessarily questioning their partners when they're on dates about some of these different qualities and traits and characteristics that would create that attraction of masculine and feminine. Because one of the biggest problems when you start, when both partners are in their masculine, let's say they're both in the corporate world, they're both working, they both want to be independent, you get two masculine energies that are now repelling one another, which creates that roommate syndrome, creates the best friend syndrome. There's no more of that chemistry and lust and passion. So you really have to have your eyes open from the get-go. You have to know what you're looking from day, what you're looking for from day one instead of walking into relationships being fooled, being disguised by the lust, the excitement of the relationship or just by the physical attraction and not by a lot of the other levels of attraction like oh well she's beautiful, you know, I'm never going to find another woman like this who's beautiful and has this trait or that trait, but they miss out on so many different levels of what they should be looking for. They don't ask those questions. They get into a relationship years later, then they're questioning, wait a second, what am I doing here? So um, so what does that look like though? Like how does a woman live in corporate America and be the masculine, but yet come home and mm allow this dynamic like what does that look like for a woman to do that for a man to do that because it's you know it's important for both right it's important for the woman to allow it's important for the woman to like know what safe space looks like yes as well as for yeah you actually said it there like how can she go to her corporate world and work and then come home so that's where the shift happens so because oh, you call it the shit. You have a name for it. You call it the shift. <laughs> so you shift from your masculine to your feminine. And I can say right. this from personal experience. I used to be so much in my masculine energy. It was not even funny. So for example, mm. I started lifting weights and being in the gym, like living in the gym from 13 years old. So I basically trained my body to have more testosterone. And what that did is it forced me to start thinking like the masculine, doing things like the masculine. I mean, all the way down to doing sex like a man throughout college. No, my career is first. I'm getting my education. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. I want to travel the world. And that's how I date it. I have sexual needs, wants, and desires, kind of like a man. I don't need to know your name. Let's just do this. Thank you very much. You can leave now. And what I found was actually a lot of guys were 
well, hey, what about me? And I'm like, well, what about you? Because I have my own dreams and I want to travel the world and I know wow. where I'm going in life. So I approached my life from that very masculine, goal-oriented, very linear, analytical. I know I'm going there. No, nothing is going to stop me, you know, like literally nothing was going to stop me. But it wasn't until I met my husband, Kumar, where, and I knew what I wanted. I knew I needed that strong masculine where I could feel safe so I could ah, let go of my need to be in my masculine. For me, being in my masculine was like my need for control, my need for independence, the need to like, I know what I want in life and nobody's going to limit it or affect it. So for women, they need safety. So they know that I can surrender. I can let go. I can take that. Oh, that yeah, how did you know? Like, when did you know? It was an inning. Yeah, we want the details. Like, want I the want details, the juicy deets, yo. Like, step, step one, she came home. She walks in the door. She puts her briefcase down. She takes off her coat and tie. And Kumar was there. <laughs> And you're yeah. like, the way he did the, like, I don't know, like, w- how do you know? I, str- so I struggle as a, as a guy mm-hmm. in the dating world. I'm 29 and connecting with a woman in that way, holding the space mm-hmm. and still be able, a, a, like able to connect as well as allow that kind of dynamic to create, to be created that, that sine wave of energy that like your that resonation of your frequencies. That's like the longer you're with each other, it's just, you know, it happens so much quicker where your energies are just like, whoop, exactly. and they're just like in sync. When, like, what was that for you? How, like, how is it? Like, what is it? Like, what's the baseline of like, Hey, this is, this is a masculine man that's holding space. And this is where I want to dance. So for me, and this is where it's hard to put into words because for women, like there is that saying, even when you meet a partner, you know, when, when you know, you know, I never used to believe that I used to be so skeptical until I met my husband. It was like, oh, I just knew like my intuition kicked in and it was like, it overrode my masculine analytical, logical thinking mind. And it was like, oh, that's it. That's what I've been looking for. Because for me, because I was so much in my masculine and independent, I was willing to be single for as long as I needed to be. I didn't know exactly what I was looking for in a partner. I had an energy, like I could envision the energy of what I wanted, but I didn't know how to put that into words. It was just an energy. So when I coach people, I have them create a list of what they want in a partner and also what they don't want. And then to go through that list and question everything, is this a limitation? Is this going to expand or contract my potential relationship or a potential partner showing up in my life? Like, is this a limitation, a characteristic that's a limitation? Like height, age, race, religion, those are all limitations. You have to be open to receiving whatever. It's more the energy. And for me, it was that energy of strength, that energy of like, I'm an anchor and I'm not going to sway. You cannot push me over because one of the things that the feminine, whether it's the wounded feminine or even the divine feminine likes to do, we like to test. We like to test the waters to see, is it safe? We like to push. We like to challenge. We like to play games to see whether or not we can push the masculine over. And if we can push the masculine over, if we can walk all over them, if we can be more powerful than them, 
we don't feel safe to let our hair down, to take that sigh of relief, to like truly step into our feminine energy. Because for the feminine, we need that sense of safety. So the first thing I'm hearing is, um, and here's the here's the problem. Okay, I'm gonna, you, you talked about a bunch of things I want to get into, but the one you just said was something that we as men, we talk about this all the time. Um, the test or the push, she's pushing me. And so the question that we all have, I think, whether we actively have the question or subconsciously have the question is because we also on some level want to please. Our yeah. Yes. So here we go. We got like, Hey, is she testing me? I want to please her. And yet, Okay, so I, I have my idea. Of what yeah, I have my idea say. too. Yeah, but- as you as you keep like elaborating, I'm like, yeah, like, what are you saying? Well, you know, every guy knows the the you know the woman. You know, they they're nice up to a point, and then the test comes. So talk about what this test looks like for you. Can we push this man over? And if we can, I feel safe. This is, I think, is the core issue. Yeah, that's that's yeah. people want to know what that looks like. And I, and I understand it's different. Like, I understand it's different for every woman. It's different for every, between two, like, beings in general. I get that. But, like, what have you seen? What have you, like, with your work with people and, and like, how have, how have you seen that to go? Yes. And that's such a great question. And also, if I can come back and speak to what a man needs to do to stand in that power. So if one of you can remind yes. me of that, so I don't lose my train of thought, because I want to touch on no, that. I've already got, I've gotten a whole bunch okay. of train of thoughts. No, 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 no. We're coming back to all of it. Trust me. Nothing's getting, <laughs> getting away. My divine man yeah, we... is keeping very precise notes and we're, we're good. So you just flow, honey. Don't, don't have to hold on to any of this stuff. I got you. Perfect. Thank you. So I trust you both. So basically, mm-hmm. one of the things that I know I do is I spin out of control. My emotions, when they kick in, they are a tsunami. And for me, I've become so aware of these emotions that I know it's the tsunami. I'm like, oh shit, hang on. Like, I'm literally telling myself, like, hang on, this is going to be a storm. I mean, I can even sense it like five days before it arrives. I'm like, uh oh, something's coming. And well, I think there's a man, I think all the men recognize. I think a storm is like we sense we're not as we're we're not as connected to that, but I think some of us can be like, I'm starting to really pay attention. I'm like, oh, there's something happening here. And for me, as as I get older, it's like, oh, it's important to to call it out, to recognize it, as opposed to try to hide. Like like my yes. my smallers, like my wounded, as you called it earlier, the the wounded masculine is like, oh no, she's gonna yell at me. I better go hide. Maybe if I don't bring it up, it'll go away. Yeah, no, 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 no. So these tests are really okay. So let me backtrack and give an analogy so people can understand. Perfect. The masculine is like a boat. He's the captain of the boat. He's the boat itself. He's everything about the boat: the engine, the motor, even the turbo-sized engine. He can upgrade the boat as much as he wants. He's still a boat in the ocean. The ocean is the feminine. She is vast. She is infinite. She is everywhere. She can be calm and peaceful and tranquil. And she can be that tsunami. 
So who's in control here? So that's where the feminine likes to test. And when I say she's looking for that sense of safety, that anchor that doesn't move, that boat literally has to have like a thousand chains, a thousand anchors dropped over the side, anchored to the ocean floor so that when she turns into a tsunami, he is still there standing strong. Like you cannot wipe me out. You cannot push me over. You cannot stomple on me. So for me, I did this a lot in the beginning of my relationship. And the more I trusted that, okay, I can't push my husband over. Okay. He's pushing back against me. It was like, ah, okay. I can let go. I can stop testing him. I can stop challenging him as much. I can trust. I can surrender. I can let go of control. So for me, it was the emotional tsunamis that would show up. And these can look like anything and everything. They can be focused around my financial worries and stress. I start spinning out of control and create this big, you know, emotional turmoil. And I'm crying and I'm, what the fuck's wrong with me? Oh, you know, I'm going down that pity party victimhood, you know, looking for something from the masculine. And it can from your be- masculine or from Kumar so, or from your spouse, from your partner, from whatever. Yeah. So that's such a great point that you bring up there because it's both. It's both. And I want to talk about that here in a little bit. So Chris, remind me. <laughs> <laughs> so, and it can go into anything. I mean, because our menstrual cycles are connected with the lunar cycles, when it's a full moon, when our hormones are you know, at certain times of our month, we become a little crazy. (laughs) So we start going into our own self-worth issues. Well, am I worthy enough? Am I this? Am I that? So these tests, these challenges can be anything that bothers us. Well, you're not doing enough of this for me. So the feminine turns into that like blaming, drama-filled, emotional, crying. The masculine doesn't know what to do for her. Like, okay, what do you need? What do you want? Because the feminine likes to change her mind. She'll tell you one thing one day, and then the next day she expects you to read her mind. And if you don't get, let's say one day she wants flowers, the next day she wants chocolate. But she didn't tell you she wants chocolate. You're supposed to just know that. So that creates a lot of relationship conflicts. Yeah, I have never, I have never met or been in a relationship. I've been in a lot of, probably too many to really talk about more than eight, eight month relationship. And I would say the number one standard expectation is the feminine energy really, really desires to be mind read. Yeah. And <laughs> let's, let's, just sit, let's just sit for a moment in that. Okay. So as a man, I am expected to, to, to mind. And this is legit. This doesn't go away. There's no, there's no arguing your point around this. There's no like, honey, I can't read your mind. It doesn't matter how many times yeah, the you past, the past doesn't matter how it good you were matter. an hour ago, 30 minutes ago, shit, how good you were a minute ago. Like you just got all the groceries that she asked for. And it's like, you bring everything in and it's like, everything's planned perfectly. And it's like, it doesn't matter. So other than constantly kind saying, of the beauty of it. other than constantly saying, I can't read your mind, what's a better way to handle that? So for me in those moments, and I personally don't necessarily expect my husband to read my mind, but what's interesting, he actually reads my mind. Like he gave mm-hmm. me something yesterday. Right. Okay, that's not fair. That is not a fair answer. I'm sorry. Right. No. <laughs> Damn. That's not a fair answer. 
I'm going to extrapolate on that. And that truly is when a man is in his own sacred union of masculine and feminine, and he's connected to his inner feminine, he can actually really be intuitive and pick up on what she needs in that moment and like give it to her before she even starts spinning out of control. It's so good. And the longer you're in a relationship, the more you grow on one another and you can read one another to the point that like Kumar, he can sense that something's wrong with you. And I'm like, no, no, there's nothing wrong. And he's like, no, like what's going on Your energy shifted. And I'm like, no, my energy didn't shift. And then like a day later, I'm like, oh, this shit's hitting the fan. How'd you know that? (laughs) So there are times when he can do that, but then I can also do that for him. So when we look at like this balance that can create it in relationships, it's what you said there, Chris, is it your inner masculine or is it the masculine in the relationship? So the physical masculine in the relationship is just a mirror. It's just a reflection of our own inner masculine. You know, something showed up the other day for me and I was spinning out of control and I really just took a step back and I went, wow, what does my inner boy need in this moment? And I refer to my inner masculine as like my inner boy. He's in my heart. Like, what does he need? And I got the awareness like, oh, he just needs that sense of acknowledgement. He needs to be honored. He needs to be appreciated. So anytime I swing too much into my feminine and I disconnect from my masculine for whatever reason, it almost is like he starts screaming like, hey, what about me? What about me? What about me? Which then physically manifests into me challenging my husband, who's now that mirror for my inner boy, when really it's mm. like, no, let me just go within me. What does my inner masculine need, want, or desire right now? So when we look at the feminine and masculine qualities, the feminine, she wants to be chosen over and over and over again. She needs to feel desired. She wants to feel worthy. And it usually stems from a lot of inner lack of self-worth. And again, it goes back to this patriarchal mindset because the woman has become so disconnected from her feminine. She's now fought for equal rights, basically demeaning her feminine, saying it's not good enough. We need to be equal to men. So therefore we have to do what men can do. So now she's swung more to her masculine and given up her feminine. And there's so many misidentifications and misinterpretations around feminine, being submissive, being subservient, being barefoot, pregnant in the kitchen. That's not the feminine. But that's where women have created that resistance to the feminine and now swung too much to their masculine. Absolutely. Wow. Well, you've met, okay, you've said, there's some things I'm going to go back to. I'm just going to kind of recap some things just so you know. You talked about the shift earlier on. We're going to go back into that at some point. Talked about the inner mirror of your inner boy and your and versus your actual man. Um, uh, we talked about um, the list, the partner list. Well, I'm going to talk more about that in a few minutes. We talked about um, the boat, and I want to talk about your Oh, my boat. God. And you just started talking about what a, the feminine requires or needs to feel worthy, which is to be chosen. So all these things we need to delve a little bit more into. Um, but right now you were talking about the feminine. And I love this. To me, that's where I like to start, is the definition of what masculine energy is and what feminine energy is. And you kind of... Uh, kind of alluded to it and then what the feminine needs to feel worthy and what the masculine energy and we have and I love and I would I also want to reiterate the point you made Shelly is when I say and when Chris and when you say masculine and feminine we don't mean man and woman 
we mean the masculine, you know, it could be in a man-man relationship, woman-woman relationship. There's going to be a masculine energy and a feminine energy that polarizes. And they, and both partners, whether it's heterosexual or whatever, non-binary, non-gender, doesn't matter. We have masculine and feminine energies. They're universal energies. So um, why don't we talk, we'll probably talk about this a lot on this podcast because this is what this is all about. But in your mind, what yeah, is a masculine? Feminine energy and what is a feminine energy? So masculine is that active, rounded, secure, creates that physical safety, very analytical, logical, action-oriented. Like to me, that's masculine. It's just that like women can do that. And when a woman is doing that, she's what we call in her masculine. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And isn't it great that we live in a world where that's okay? And like, that's totally cool now. Totally. I love it because I vibrate at my masculine a lot, especially in my business. And that's where we will talk about the shift, but let's get back to the definition of feminine before I flow and go off on the other tangent. Honey, you're like a tsunami. You can go anywhere you want. Just like the storm and the winds and the clouds. And you guys are like my anchor. You pull me back and you have the list. You have that analytical list. (laughs) I love it. Thank you, baby. Mm -hmm. So yeah, the feminine is the passive, the flowing, the free, the, you know, we talked about the physical safety for the masculine. It's the emotional safety is the feminine. It's the relaxation, Mm -hmm. the surrendering, receiving, presence playfulness, creativity, empathy, that's the feminine. And we can, and I, and I, and I, I just recognize that when I'm doing that, which is all the time, when I'm dancing, when I'm flowing, when I'm feeling, and I'm, I'm just relaxing and enjoying what's surrounding me. If I show up somewhere and I'm just taking it all in, as they say, sometimes you show up to a party and you just, you're in this, you just receive, or you go out into nature and you're just receiving this is me, a man, being in my feminine energy and embracing it. <laughs> Absolutely. And it's it's disconnecting from your analytical, logical mind. It has to be A plus B equals C and being willing to connect into your creativity, your intuition, trusting those gut instincts that you have and just going with it instead of reasoning and justifying why you're making a decision, just getting that intuitive hit and just trusting it and going with it. I like you say that because one of my one of my definitions of who's in the masculine any moment because you're in relationships. So to me, I'm playing the this out like every day in my relationships. And if, I think the simplest flag to kind of you know, if someone's getting started, like if the, I mean, this can be certainly going to be people listening. This is all new. This is whole all these concepts are new. And so the easiest way to to simmer it and boil it down to the essence is who's making the decision right now. Are we going to a movie? Which movie are we going to watch? Are we going to grab something to eat? We're going to hit a restaurant. What restaurant are we going to get to? So who makes the decision in that moment is being in the mask on it? And if not a contest, it doesn't matter what the answer is. It's just recognizing the energy. Exactly. And what you said right there is what the masculine is actually looking for from the feminine. The masculine is looking for the appreciation, the honoring, the like, I trust in your decisions. That's what the masculine wants from the feminine to know that his decisions are appreciated, honored, respected, cherished, that she trusts him. That feeds mm. his soul. 
Right. So let's 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 trust. Back. You keep that. saying trust, and it's just like mm, mm, mm. it's okay. not only important for the relationship; it's important for the self. It's important to trust self, and mm, yeah, it's just yes. I, I love where this is going. <laughs> so, so I want, as a man, I want to use my checklist mindset and say, okay, I want my woman to be in her feminine, and I want to be in my masculine. Therefore, I'm going to check this list. The woman wants to be desired and chosen. The man wants to be appreciated and trusted. And the woman, I would argue, wants to trust. Yes. But, like to feel mm. to feel worthy. And so I think it's important as a man, if I'm a man choosing to be in my masculine as the relate in the relationship, I think it's important for every man out there to say, if you're if you're if you don't have the right polarity and we're going back to like what you say the roommate complex where you have a great friendship which is devoid of sexual energy to awaken that is to understand what the masculine needs are what the feminine needs are so that you can start cultivating that so let's get back to what does it look like as a man for me to start activating a woman's femininity is that does that make can i do that by understanding that those desires those worth needs are to be chosen and and for her to be desired like how does that like how can i affect that how can i what what, how can i what are my action steps (laughs) yes that's a great question and for every woman it's different and that's where open and honest communication is so important up front like so what do you Mm. need want and desire are you happy are you missing anything that's a conversation i mean we ask each other that question at least once a month if not more are you happy are you missing anything? Is there anything else I can be or do for you? So because so he does work then. Yes. And we work and we'll get into that here in a little bit. Because um, yeah, there's something yeah. I want to say about that. But I don't want to lose my train of thought here that for a man, it's really like, and this is where I wanted to speak about for men, you have to stop worrying about pleasing her. Well, I can't bring this up. I have to keep her happy. I don't want to rock the boat. I don't want to upset the apple cart. I don't want to lose her. A man has to stand strong in his worth. It starts there. Because if a man doesn't know his worth, if he doesn't stand strong in it, which that's the anchor, if he's not unwavering in who he is as a man, he will give in. He will be pushed over by the feminine when she tests him. So a part of what the feminine is looking for, that desirability, the feeling chosen and loved and adored and all of that, is also the man pushing back and going, no, this is like, for example, when I spin out of control and I have my emotional tsunami, my husband literally has told me before, you know what? This relationship is too important to me. If you're not happy, there's the door. You can leave. And it shocks me. It's a shock to my system to go, wait, what the fuck am I doing? This man really <laughs> wants to be in this relationship. And he's not allowing me to push him over with my bullshit emotional tsunami. So it pulls me out of that tsunami and goes, oh, I can trust Okay. The next day I always laugh. I'm just like, thank you so much for, you know, pushing back against me and not allowing me to bulldoze you because all I was really looking for was that you're just going to stand there as this anchor and go, "Uh -uh, no, you're not going to play those games. You're not going to try to make me wrong or whatever it is that, you know, my mind, because unfortunately a lot of women, and I was in that space of the wounded feminine in the beginning of the relationship where I would be unconscious during these 
challenges during these emotional tsunamis. And I would get so caught up in my mind that I would, you know, play those feminine games of like looking for the underlying meaning. Well, you said this. So what is the underlying meaning? Like, did you really mean that? That's where the feminine goes. We're always looking for like the hidden meaning. Well, you said this, but it didn't, you know, didn't resonate with me. Like, cause we're so. Yeah, isn't there always, there's always a hidden meaning. <laughs> right? but, also, but also doesn't the, the feminine is the, that it, I, I really trust feminine intuition. I feel like guys are also, I'm just going to say guys, but you know, the, it's the masculine energy that, I mean, sometimes they're right. Sometimes they're sensing something and we'll deny it, but deep down it's true. And so how do you play into like, oh, this is a, I'm looking for some hidden thing. What's the hidden thing? But sometimes you really, the feminine really does sense something's off, right? Totally. And that's where we get these wounded aspects coming together and we're connecting based on our trauma bonds versus connecting based on our divinity. So for example, if a man is not standing strong in his worth, like I just had this example with a client the other day, she's upset and pissed at this man because he told her he did not want a relationship, but he wasn't clear in his verbiage. He said he doesn't like the label relationship, therefore he doesn't want to put any labels on it. But really what he meant to say is, I don't want a relationship. I just want sex. The woman, she interpreted it as, okay, so we're kind of doing a relationship thing. We're just not putting labels on it. But when she pushed him to actually say like, is this an exclusive relationship? He said, no, I told you I don't want a relationship. And now she's going, but you told me you just don't like the labels. You didn't say you don't want a real relationship. But if he didn't feel safe to be truthful, to be honest, if he was afraid of rejection from her, if he said he just wants sex then he's functioning from that wounded space where he's not owning his worth. He's not standing strong in his masculinity. Therefore that created this big blow up where who knows what his point of view is about her, but her point of view is fuck him. He's this, he's that. And I had to pull her back and go, okay, where did you misinterpret it? Where were you not being open and honest and asking questions? Because we have to stop playing this blame game. Both parties. Oh, amen. Amen. Shelly. Amen. I think playing the blame game, we get so wrapped. I, I find it interesting, and I, and I, you know, part of my spiritual practice is to, to kind of, you know, in my practice of, of being the man and being the boat. I've heard the boat analogy. But the, the analogy I like as well is David Data's analogy of the rock, where yes. you have this storm hitting that rock over and over and over and over again, and the way I have come to practice that in real life is not taking anything personally. It's basically one of the four agreements. It's like, this is the basic essence of standing in your masculine worth of just when she's attacking and it's, I say she, when the feminine energy <laughs> is kind of, as you say, and it's beautiful. And I, Hey, guys have it too. This is a, this is kind of like this out of, out of kind of flowing every, who knows where it's emotional, to not take that personally, to say whatever happening for her, and I'm going to use the, the male, female, you know, gender roles, whatever's happening for her right now is okay. I'm going to receive this. I'm not going to take it as personal because what I'm I mean, that, I ask, yeah, that kind I of energy can come from a guy though. For sure. That's why I, I just want to be really, 
all right. Yeah, we're, we're in agreement, but I'm saying in this example, for me as a man, I, I say, okay, whatever's happening for her right now, I'm I'm just gonna accept it and I, and I'll and I'll deal with the details later. Mm-hmm. But right now I'm just gonna look at her and and all this blame and shame that's getting projected onto me right now, I'm just gonna I'm not gonna defend it, I'm not gonna justify it in this moment. I'm just going to hold the space of listening and he- and hearing it. And what's ironic and beautiful and paradoxical is 90% of the time, that's actually what defends and justifies. And, and, and then once the storm blows over, then it's like, hey, let's talk about some of these things you said. So you accused me of. <laughs> exactly. And you said it there. Projections. We're just mirrors for one another. Mm. We're just mirrors for that inner feminine and masculine. And Shelly, I don't know if you'll remember this, like way back when we met, it's over, I think over a decade ago, you kind of brought me on, to, brought me on, you kind of brought into my awareness two words that you kind of made me realize were aspects of life. And I, I've been using them ever since. I kind of incorporated that teaching. Uh, one was projection and the other one was viewpoint. Do you remember yes. using it? I'm sure you still use it. Yes, I use it all the time. <laughs> yeah. Tell us a little bit about what, what that means to you, what, how, how we project and what viewpoint is. So projections, and you just said it there, we have to stop taking things so personally because mm-hmm. we're just actors in one another's lives, stories, movies, whatever you want to call it. So I love to so- reference back to soul contracts. And if we can just expand out our awareness to understand that every single person in our reality, they are there for a reason. They are there because we ask them to be there, to say, be, and do exactly what they're saying, being, and doing to trigger us, to trigger our inner wounds because we ask them to so that we can heal and evolve and grow and expand. So we oftentimes project our points of views, our limitations, our inner traumas, dramas, emotions onto that person, that thing. It can even be an experience. It can be my business. It can be money, any kind of entity. We project our shit, for lack of better terms, onto that. And that creates a huge limitation. I mean, for example, with my business, my business is a living entity. If I were to project my own limitations, that my business has to look a certain way, it has to be this, it has to be that, it's all of those points of view. So projections and viewpoints or points of views go hand in hand because it's just a point of view. Now you talked about mirrors. Is that what you meant? Like we're mirror, like you're, the, the, you know, the relationships are mirrors for each other in that way to bring that to bring out these these hidden traumas and wounds and that kind of stuff. Exactly. So for example, if I create you to tell me something that I do not like, so I take it personally, well, it's triggering me for a reason, but we're so caught up in this unconscious superficial level of reality that it's just like, oh, you know, Chris said this and I'm upset at him. Well, why are you upset at him? Why did he say that? What did it trigger? Can we dive deeper into that? Okay, well, it triggered my self-worth. Okay, why did it trigger your self-worth? Well, because it's making me feel X, Y, or Z, that I'm not good enough or that I'm not successful enough or that I can't do this right, which then is connected to my addiction to being a perfectionist. So if you go down that like rabbit hole and you start peeling away the layers, 
it's never about you, Chris. It's never about what you said to me that triggered me. I created you in my reality. I asked you to be there to say that, to trigger me, to give me an opportunity to heal, evolve, and grow. But if I'm playing at the superficial level, I, I'm going to miss the opportunity. And then I'm going to guess what? Create these recurring patterns showing up in my life over and over and over again. Because the universe is literally like hitting you up over the side of your head going, wake up, wake up. You, you asked for this, wake up. Like, when are you going to get it? When are you going to go internal? Don't take it personal. Question, why is it triggering you? Like, what's there? <laughs> Thank you for triggering my deep trauma unconscious superficial wounds. Exactly. <laughs> Anytime I get triggered, I thank the person. I'm like, oh my God, thank you so much because you just facilitated such a huge growth for me. Like I had this awareness and that light bulb moment and I discovered this that I need to heal. Like for me, it's such a gift. Oh my gosh. So like really like how many people like, okay, so when I get triggered or when a person gets triggered, the, the way out is to thank the person that triggers them. How like how conscious and liberated does one have to be for that? <laughs> <laughs> Pretty conscious and Con- liberated. Conscious and liberated, Chris. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> thank you for triggering me. I got to see the wound that oh, my man. family of origin shit brought up. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, there's yeah. there's kind of levels to that, right? I don't know. I, I think there's a flip side to what every you know what we're talking about. It's really good, and it's just kind of about apologizing. It's like people giving their power away mm. by constantly saying sorry. I and so it's yeah. like we're fighting for the power and honoring ourselves, and yet at the same time, it's just constant like, oh, I'm sorry. Oh, I'm so sorry. And it's like, yo, like what? <laughs> really so, though. Yeah. Like, are you sorry? Like, there's sorrow in your heart because Mm. you accidentally, like, checked a text that that your child sent you? Like, I don't know. It was just, it's like for everything. And that's something that I am certainly really conscious about. And I find it really interesting because there's this desire and maybe it's that I kind of attribute it to the yin and yang, right? This balance that's trying to find itself and it's like it wants the freedom and the power and the stability, and yet it's like apologizing for wanting it. It's this really interesting paradox. Yes, and I love what you said there because in our relationship, we never say I'm sorry unless mm. it's like a really hurtful thing that we said. But even in that post drama and trauma hitting the fan, We always sit down and have open and honest communication about why that showed up. And when you create a conscious relationship where you're, where you understand the soul contract about why you are there with one another, what you are triggering, what you are healing for one another, you never need to apologize for being who you are. Right. Right. Yeah. Chris, Chris taught me the concept of um, recommitting to someone. Well, you talked about that every month. Every month you say, and roughly every month, I'm not going to hold to that, but you said, and I, I wrote it down, is there anything I can be or do for you? And mm-hmm. this, and so that, that fall into the contract? Like, how, Explain more about the contract and what, why you do that. So a few things with that. Every day we wake up 
and we divorce and remarry one another because relationships are all about choices. So we're not allowing the quote unquote marriage to bind us together. We're actually choosing every day to still be with one another. And then about once a month, we will check in with one another. Are you happy? Are you missing anything? Is there anything else I can be or do that would make you happier or make our relationship better or take our growth to the next level? Is there anything that I'm slacking on? So it just creates that like raw and real and vulnerable conversation that most couples can't have where you just keep pushing your problems, your issues, what you're missing under the rug before you know it. It's like the rug is bowing in the middle. There's this big pink elephant in the room, but nobody's willing to talk about it. But in order to have a successful relationship, we have to talk about our needs, wants, and desires. We have to talk about our healing, our triggers, you know, what we're growing on, what we're, how we're spiritually evolving, how we're physically, financially evolving. Like we have to be able to talk about that. Yeah. So the contract piece, for me, I use the soul contracts basically as like a reminder to not take things personally. So whether it's my husband, whether it's a friend, family member, client who triggers me, makes me wrong, makes me question my own worth, I always stop and I just question like, okay, so how did I create them in my life? Why am I writing them into my movie as the actor or actress that they are? For what reason? Like, what is this facilitating for me? How is this helping me? What's right about this that I'm not getting? Why did I write them into the script of my movie? Hmm. this person cut me off this is something for me to learn here yeah it takes a certain it takes a certain level of awareness to be there yeah there's like when you're in the shit you're like your presence can be in the shit in the reaction in the woundedness and then there's that other part of you that's watching yourself Mm. be in the wound be in the action you're like wow look at me i'm really reacting now this is really an interesting (laughs) Yeah, this is an interesting dynamic for me. Yeah, there's like a point where it gets there. It gets to that point where you're like, oh, I'm back. And I, you're in the middle of the shit show that you're creating. <laughs> it's like, it's like, oh. And it's that moment where it's like, do you choose to stand up and be like, hmm, I'm going to stop now. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to catch myself here. Or... Do you keep digging your hole? (laughs) And I think there's a transition from the first step is like you said earlier, just be aware of that it's happening, awareness and saying, wow, this is happening. I'm actually triggered right now, but you're still doing it. You're still going through the, uh, you know, you're playing out the part that you've always played out that old, like broken record part. And then the other end of the spectrum is the instant it happens, you ask, Hey, why did I write this into my script? Like immediately, before you play out the wound, <laughs> you catch it right away. Right. And I've noticed there are certain things, like, like as I start playing this game of living my life this way, there's, you know, my past self, there was way more things that triggered me. Now, there are things that used to so trigger me, I just laugh immediately. Because I'm like that. That used to piss me off so badly, and I would it would just make me chuckle. And I think like there's it, it's a gradient, right? You don't start, you don't go and make the decision, and then you're at the other end of the spectrum. It, there's time and there's practice, just like isn't that the beauty of life? Mm-hmm. It's the beauty of life. 
And one of the things, and what's funny there, is one of the things that I do, let's say I forget to put water into, you know, my smoothie glass, you know, I put it in the sink and then it dries. Like that drives my husband crazy. <laughs> but I know that my <laughs> mind. That's hilarious. <laughs> you know, Chris can. Chris is, a, I'm telling you, she's a stick. He's a stick. Water. <laughs> immediately and you don't even have to do anything else because this wouldn't have happened this just wouldn't have happened i don't need my jackhammer to get the smoothie it's funny just chris has these chris totally i love chris thank you for being my brother chris i love knowing how to just not that I want to irritate you, but like if I wanted to, there are just these little things that I could just do throughout the day. <laughs> See, he's the younger brother in his life, and I'm the older brother. Uh, <laughs> and that's kind of the, the the role we play for each other sometimes, which it's allows good, me because he's my brother. I, that allows me, you know, I can give him a Charlie horse and be like, "Meet <laughs> my friend Charlie." <laughs> so. Younger brother, Chris, here's what you do. If you want, if you do that, if you leave your smoothie glass on the sink and you don't put water into it, when older brother, Chris gives you shit for it, you just stand there and you laugh. I do that to my husband and he Mm. like immediately dissolves the trigger, the argument, whatever. He's just like, how can I be upset with you when you're laughing at me? Because for me, it's like, I know I forgot again. I fucked up again. Whoopsie. That's like, that's me. Like that's been my ongoing pattern of just forgetfulness because my mind is all over the place. My mind is that feminine. It's creative. I'm getting all these downloads of, I got to do this and I got to write this from my book and I have to do this and that and da da da. So my mind is everywhere else that my husband just trusts now that that's Shelly. But if I give her shit, she's right. just going to laugh at me. And how can I be mad at somebody who's laughing at me? Well, you know, oh, that's so interesting. I just, <laughs> so he's giving you shit, right? And there's a safe <laughs> space to do that, right? But what yeah. is he also doing? Well, like, planting, for me, planting the seed, I am working on getting better. So it's like planting that seed yeah, but in my like, brain to remember. <laughs> he's creating the space that he wants to live in as well. Oh, totally. Absolutely. And so what is, so this is where I want to go. Yes, he's creating the safe space that he wants to live in as well. But where is that fine line where you start fucking around with each other and it just goes too far and you start hitting wounds? And where is the awareness? Like as the, as the man trying to create this safe space, you're also trying to like ebb and flow with the jokes and, and the kind of poking fun and, and, you know, it goes back and forth. Right. Uh, But it's like, where is that? I'm making it personal or it's becoming personal. And I want to communicate that in a safe, Uh safe way. I would say for me, uh, it's like you said earlier, Shelly, it's that's where you're starting to communicate, connect, quote unquote, read minds. Like Mm. there is a difference between something somewhat innocuous. I love the glass analogy because it doesn't feel like there's a personal family of origin story behind that. Um, So but there's also the ones that are clearly like senses of betrayal or self-worth or you start hitting those wounds when someone says i've asked you not to do this you know over and over and over and i and, and you're not listening um so i think there's there's definitely there's definitely a difference 
because not everything is or should be about family origin shit. Sometimes you just fucking forget to wash the glass out. And that's, and it's annoying. And a man's trying to create a space. It's like, this is my boundary. I'm choosing to create a space where my world has this, these elements in it. And I feel safe when the glass isn't. <laughs> but I mean, there's a lot, like, there's a lot of those boundary settings. And I think to Chris's point, there's also the ones where, hey, let's address it in a more sacred way, perhaps, right? Yes. How do you recognize the difference? So this is where, again, it comes back to open and honest communication and setting those boundaries from the get-go, up front, at the beginning of your relationship and having those monthly conversations about boundaries. So when you create that open, sacred space to go, hey, are you happy? The person can respond to go, you know what, in a very loving, gentle way. Everything is about tone of voice. Everything is about the words we use. But unfortunately, if we are like upset or angry that our partner keeps doing the same thing over and over and over again, that's where we have to be conscious and present and go, you know what? Yeah, I would like you to be more aware of putting water in the glass, or I would like you to be more conscious of this. You know, it's just a request. I'm not demanding it, but it's just requesting it. <clears throat> so so two words, um, real quick, there are two words that we have eliminated from our vocabulary that sometimes unconsciously they will pop up always and never, because those are trigger words that cause people to then get angry mm -hmm. inside. So you can't label me and put me into that corner and say, I always do that, or I never do that because then we become defensive and reactive. And we go, let me remind you of that one time that I didn't do that. <laughs> <laughs> we all know that. And part of, part of my growth as a human is to resist define, uh, defending always and nevers and, and just accept mm. like I, I'm on that. When someone says, and I catch myself even recently saying, you always do this. Like, I don't always do it. And it's like, you know what? Especially with my 17-year-old son, I tend to I tend to aggrandize sometimes. You always forget. <laughs> you never remember. And he'll say, no, that one time. And I'll be like, okay, I take that back. That's not true. <laughs> you don't always forget. That is absolutely true. I own it. And it's taken me years. I still do it, Shelly. It's like, I, this is a, this is. I think that right there, if, if people only get one thing out of this entire podcast, it's eliminate always and never from discussions with people about what they're doing to in, in your life, in any relationship. It's beautiful. Yeah, yeah I just, well, one I 100% agree. Always and never have been one of my biggest things in my life that have gotten me in deep shit with people. <laughs> <laughs> like when I say deep shit, I mean, you know, like a qualm, a qualm. I like that word. <laughs> but so, okay. So I, th I think it's interesting what you said around requesting the other person. So I've, I've always kind of come from the perspective and, and the space of, I want to express how I feel but you said you request the other person to do something different. And I'm yeah. just I'm just sitting with that because I've I, I, I don't know if it's like I have a hard time maybe 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 communicating that request in a way that's loving and and open and caring. Um, and maybe that's why I kind of default to the I'm just gonna express how I feel and see where that goes. You can combine the two together. So when you do this, it makes me feel fill in the blank. 
Therefore, I'm requesting that you become more aware of this pattern, or I'm requesting that we explore this together to see how I'm triggering you, how you're triggering me. Like, let's look at the soul contract together, because that's one of the things that my husband and I have done. It's like my tears trigger him. His anger triggers me. Mm. So he tells me, like, I'm not angry at you. Why are you crying? I have to then go inner like internal and go, okay, so can I control my tears in this moment? Because he's not angry at me. So he's making that request. Like your tears are making me feel that, you know, I'm in the wrong or I shouldn't have called you out on this and I'm not angry at you. So can you please control your tears? Because now they are beginning to trigger me and I don't want to get angry. And I have to check myself and go, yeah, you're right. He called me out on something I'm not doing that's bothering him. He's not angry at me. Why am I going into my wrongness of, oh, well, you know, I'm not good enough or I can't do this right. Why does it trigger me to go to that emotional aspect and become, you know, this crying woman? Oh my God, you know, I can't believe you're telling me this again or whatever it is. But I noticed that's a pattern for most women. Women use their tears as defense. And I've caught myself many times and I'm still working on it. (laughs) tears are my defense system and for men it's anger anger is their defense system yeah right 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 rage (laughs) 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 just like blind rage you know we kind of we kind of uh touched briefly on that in the previous episode episode one um just about the the kind of social allowing of like oh you know that's he only does that when he drinks and it's like Nah, yeah, like that's not healthy. And so I'm glad that you're bringing it up again because, you know, I think it's it's a systemic cultural thing that's not just in the United States. It's I would say it's mostly worldwide. Um this kind of open acceptance of like people's unhealthy expression, um specifically men. Mm-hmm. And um well, I yeah, like, I, th- I think it's really I like, interesting. I like your point, Shelley, where you said women tend to use tears as defense and men use anger as defense. And I think there's so much truth to that. So as a man getting angry and asking myself, what am I defending? What am I not taking responsibility for? Mm -hmm. And shifts me right. That's been the path to me out of anger. Like how, where am I not being like flipping anger into responsibility? That's kind of something I learned from, um, from uh, Bob Stevens talking about, the kind of the opposite of anger is taking responsibility and sewing. So, and in what you had said, defending. So when I'm defending my viewpoint, as you say, or point of view, I'm not taking responsibility for something in here. That's how I kind of, that's my kind of tunnel. I tunnel myself out of my anger. If I can catch it when I'm aware, sometimes I'm in the anger so deep, I don't, it's like I've already done the damage before I'm even witnessing myself doing it. Absolutely. And let's talk about like that viewpoint. Like when we become defensive, what are we really defending? We're defending our point of view. So the I have a saying, we all would rather be right in our point of view than be free. Like what if there's nothing we need to defend? What if we can just sit there? So we use a spoon technique. We're sometimes not the best at it, but whoever is talking, they get the floor. The other person cannot defend, cannot interrupt. They just have to sit there and hold space for one partner to share. And we try to do it. It doesn't always work that way. But we try to like, okay, you know what? You expressed your feelings, emotions, thoughts today. Just 
let's separate. Let's let the fire calm down and tomorrow we'll reconvene and then I will share my thoughts, feelings, and emotions on that. So if we're willing to give up our need to be right, why do we need to be right? Why does my point of view need to be the right point of view? Why do I need to win the argument? Because that's really why we're defensive. What if we could just go, you know what? You're right. I'm wrong. I fucked up. I don't need to apologize, but I'm taking responsibility. But yeah, Mm. I did leave the dish in the sink. And that's why I, that's what I do when I laugh. I'm like, yep, I left it in there again. Ha ha ha. And my husband's like, oh, fuck it. I can't get upset with you when you laugh at me like that. (laughs) I, I I take responsibility. So it literally, it, I'm not putting up a wall to give him something to fight against. Right. That's the key. Your laughter. So he's running his pattern and we all do it. We run our patterns where I say X and you're supposed to say Y. Exactly. And you're supposed to you're supposed to be like no nah, rah, rah, rah. and it's just like when you laugh it and there's nothing it. to diffuse there's nothing to grab onto there's nothing that is going to support the anger so like the support mechanisms go away and the whole thing falls away and that's a beautiful you know as far especially in the feminine energy it's a beautiful way or actually in any I think in any energy it's just to to, to be in joy and to laugh and to, to in, in a way that where I think what you're saying is you're taking full responsibility. You're like, yeah, I'm taking, I'm owning this and I, holy shit, I forgot. And yeah, I recommit. Exactly. Like the running joke in our relationship right now is I have remembered two actors and what other movies or <laughs> TV series they played in. And I remember to remind him of something as we were driving on the road the other day. So he's laughing. He's like, Obviously, microdosing psilocybin is like rewiring your brain so you can actually remember stuff. <laughs> I'm like, I know I'm three for three right now. Beautiful. <laughs> Awareness. Exactly. So, so, Dr. Shelley, I have a question and it's a it's around it's around conscious language in what we've been talking about. So in the past, like I, it's just something that I, I I want to know if it's if I'm making this personal, if this is like a personal thing, or if this is, I don't know, something to kind of talk about is conscious language around when we when we make choices or do things that aren't necessarily in congruence with the contract that we have with someone. So for example, you have the bottle in there, and you didn't put water in it. And now you're kind of um, presented with you know, like, hey, uh, can you not do this? And our, a lot of our natural response, at least for myself, is like, oh, I fucked up. Or, oh, I really, like, my bad. And part of me feels like it's like it's like attacking the self. So it's like, how healthy, like, what, what is a healthy way of still maintaining the masculine and still maintaining accountability and integrity and morality but also loving yourself and loving the choice that you made and honoring the fact that you did that and, and taking that as an opportunity to move forward. And I'm asking both of you because, I mean, Chris is, Mr. Wicko over here is the master of conscious language. He he brought that to my attention entirely. And, you know, I just, I think that there's, we've talked a lot about outward expression with other people in relationship with masculine and feminine. And now it's just like a lot's coming into me right now around the internal aspects of this and how we can healthfully and mindfully honor and love the child that's within that wants 
that that's seeking something that's seeking an answer that's that doesn't necessarily want to self-deprecate with an eye fucked up all the time mm-hmm. do you know what i mean totally. yeah totally. well yeah i mean as, as as the guy i'm in the place of so i'm gonna here's what i ask myself is how can i fully own this and i think that's it like i'm i'm gonna fully mm. own this and so what words <laughs> You can answer, Shelley, in, in terms of words. I, and, I, and I may be the master of conscious language to Chris, but to myself, I'm still a student. So thinking about the words of, yeah, I totally fucked up my bad versus, you know, yeah, I left this. I own that I left this bottle in this thing. I, well, why don't we keep using? We can do, I have my own problems. I don't have to use it. <laughs> <laughs> Shelley, just Dr. Shelley. <laughs> like she's... <laughs> But like owning whatever you do and saying, yeah, and depending on what it is, if it's, you know, if it's kind of important to the relationship, sometimes it's more important than others. It's like the cap left off the toothpaste is a traditional example, but it could be anything, leaving leaving dishes in the sink, leaving drawers open instead of just closing them, leaving the toilet seat up, all these things that I am reminded over <laughs> to do, whatever they are, to just say, yeah. I, this, this relationship is important to me and I am in a constant state of reminding myself to be present to this relationship in a way so that I can remember. And please know that it may take a while. Have some, have some patience with me on this one because I'm not used to it. However, I want you to know, or I choose for you to know that this relationship is important to me and I hear what you're saying fully, and it's something that I'm going forward. I'm enjoying and loving to bring into my life. So these are these are really non-defensive, flowery ways to basically fully own it without defending it, and at the same time letting the partner know that he or she is heard in the request. And also knowing I'm, I don't think we expect our partners to be flawless. And I think that's that's also a, a slippery slope is remembering this person's not perfect and neither am I. We're constantly a work in progress. And that's the beautiful part of this. And I think going back to your soul contracts, I love every morning getting up and saying we've divorced and remarried or are we choosing to remarry today? And this is a journey. And, you know, it doesn't depend on me putting the toilet seat back down. <laughs> Absolutely. Go ahead. And So to reiterate, like on that, and for me, like I personally, I just use the terms, I fucked up. Yep. Did it again. Like for me, I can do that without taking it personal. Like for me, that's what makes me laugh. It's Mm -hmm. like, fucked up, did it again. See, like I, I trust that I'm always going to be that way until I choose to change that pattern. And I trust that it's a work in progress. I trust I'm not going to remember overnight. I trust that I am going to get better. Hmm. So my internal dialogue with myself is like, yeah, like this is just a choice you made. You chose to forget in that moment. You don't need to beat yourself up. So for me, and it's also like the whole, you're right, I'm wrong. What if you can say that with no attachment to the words? What if you can say that without taking it personal? What if you can say that? without beating yourself up internally and oh my god I can't believe I did this and I'm so bad and da, 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 da. and I can say as a woman for the feminine in general because the feminine needs to be chosen and desired over and over again the more she her the feminine is called out on what she's not doing or what she's not living up to 
that almost feels like an attack against what she needs, what she desires, which is that being chosen. So it's easy for the feminine to go into that mind fuck spiral of, oh my God, I'm so wrong. You know, taking it personal, beating herself up. I'm not worthy. I'm not this. I'm not that. And especially for me, that was a little bit of a work in progress because I have struggled with the addiction to perfectionism. I have to be perfect in every aspect. Like, I grew up that way. My parents trained me that way, like straight A student, valedictorian, like you always have to be the winner, the top of everything. So I've always strived for perfection. So in my relationship, it's been a work in progress to not take things personally when I do fuck up. So for mm. me, it's like, I'm just joking with myself. So that's why I use laughter to diffuse the resistance. I use laughter. And empowerment. When you say I fucked up, you are totally owning and empowering yourself in those words for you. For me, it makes me laugh. Like I use it. That's how I don't become defensive. And it's just like, yeah, I fucked up. Like I trust that I'm going to fuck up and not put water in my smoothie glass. Right. Like I find it funny in a way that I did it again. How funny. How cute here's the, am I? Here's the perfect, I here's the perfect, yeah, here's the perfect valedictorian who gets straight A's and does everything right. And who's just saying, I like for you, not be, I imagine not being able to say that for so long, actually being able to say that out loud is empowering, I would imagine. It's freeing. It literally is like, wow, I don't have to be perfect. I can't right. make these mistakes and it's not going to cause a divorce. It's not going to cause my husband to leave me. Like we can mm. laugh about it. It's a joking matter. Like literally it's a joking matter in our relationship. Like what I'm going to forget on a daily basis. Like that is one of my downfalls. I take full responsibility for it. Like mm. I almost even can call it out and be like, oh yeah, I bet I'm going to forget that. Let me put a reminder on my phone. Cause I know I'm going to forget that. Like, so it's acknowledging, <laughs> it's acknowledging like who we are and what we know is a work in progress for us. And it's not taking it personal. That's the biggest thing. We are our own worst critics. We are so judgmental of ourselves. We don't love ourselves that if we can come to a place of unconditional love, that means we can love ourselves when we're good, when we're bad, when we're wrong, when we're ugly, when we're, when we're everything. Unconditional love has no mm. conditions. Beautiful. I, Which, so beautiful. No, I just, I really love both of your answers. I really love your explanations and you know I just it's interesting because it's almost like I was self-deprecating for self-deprecating <laughs> uh you know it's just like oh, I fucked up and it's just like oh shame on you for using that terminology and it's like yeah but no so I just I, I really appreciate your your perspective and how you use it and just kind of the next level of unconditional love for self is expressed through allowing free expression. Mm. Yeah, and it's no judgment of those words, I fucked up. Like it's mm. when we judge that saying mm. I fucked up is bad or wrong or an indication of our worth or not being good enough. It's when we judge it that it actually creates it as being so. But if we can just free ourselves from the judgment of what's right and what's wrong, what's conscious language and what's not conscious language. Now, granted, there are certain things that I'm huge on conscious language, but if we can just detach whatever meaning we've attached to it, then it can all right. exist under the name of a right. love. Right. Because yeah. intention is really what matters. The language is important, but it's really the intention behind the, intention. the words. So you can say whatever you, you can say, I fucked it, whatever. It's what the intention behind those words are that really matters. And the words help give us a signpost and a guidepost to our intentions often. 
So the words are what we hear and the intentions are kind of a little more subtle. So yeah, words hold energy for sure. But the intention is like the encapsulating. I absolutely, I absolutely got you. And And just going into, go ahead, go ahead, Sean. Well, just one more thing. It's like, it's the amount of time, effort, and energy that we then spend after the fact beating ourselves up for what we did. Like, can we take Mm. responsibility and let it go? Yeah, that is a beautiful. And so what helps me do that, getting back to something you said earlier, which is the shift and then masculine, feminine energy, you said earlier, the feminine, when you ask, you know, you can get beaten up too much if it, if it, if it kind of pushes into being chosen and being desired where you start questioning, you know, or you start moving out of that feminine energy. One of the things that, you know, when I talk to my male friends a lot and they get frustrated, you know, because that's one of the things men tend to share. And I'm sure women do the same thing is they, they share their frustrations about their partner. And what I've learned over the years is that polarity we talked about earlier of the masculine and feminine energy where two people, if you get along really, really, really well with your partner, in life, you may or may not be getting along with them in the bedroom because there's a polarity there. So when you're when you're creative, when your feminine energies are aligned and they're kind of moving together and whatever, and your masculine energies are aligned, there there's no polarity there. So when I when I'm with a partner and she does something that's very feminine. It's very kind of in the moment that annoys the shit out of my masculine, right? Because like we want things to be specific and direct. Actually, we, the masculine, is looking for, you know, very, very specific and very clear communication and and with clear boundaries. And the feminine energy is very flowy and and, and full of life and full of joy. and And sometimes they collide. And I remind myself. I want that polarity in bed. I want that hot, juicy sexual energy in bed. And what that means for me as a man and for my woman as a feminine woman and me as a masculine man, what that means is that may not, that may not, that might, that might not look congruent in life. And so that's something that I choose to deal with knowing it makes for better sex. Does that make sense? Absolutely. And when when there's that polarity, that masculine feminine attraction, and there's so much passion in the bedroom, there is also going to be a lot of passion in the conflicts and the arguments. And that's one of the things I had to get used to because I was always like, I just want sunshine, rainbows and unicorns all the time. I don't like confrontation. Mm. I don't like arguments. I'm a very tolerant person. Like, my husband jokes, I never give him shit for anything, but I'm a very tolerant person. I don't let anything bother me. So I don't bring up the little things that may bother him. He brings up a lot more stuff about what I do that triggers him. But I'm just, I'm like, let it go. Like, yeah, okay, you know what? He did whatever. I'm just going to take care of it and let it go. It doesn't bother me. But I had to get used to that like intense passion in confrontation. So if you have it in the bedroom, be prepared. You are going to have it in the confrontation aspect as well, the conflict aspect. Right. So I want to I want to move it. We talked earlier about getting into the sex, and uh, <laughs> it's time. It's, it's time. It's time. Yeah, we could talk more about relationship sex, but there's a lot of conversations that I have with guys and. And I'd like to hear your take on this. What is your advice to guys on how to have sex with any woman they want? 
<laughs> then you go on the internet and it's like, and basically there's all these guides to how to have sex with women, how to, you know, quote unquote, trick women. And I have my own viewpoint around that. But I mean, like, do you get any of it? Like, how do I get a woman to want me in bed? Is that, is that something that comes up for you? I can just, Dr. Shelley Prasad, <laughs> top 10 for how to have sex with any woman you want. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. It's, there's not even like a, like a one way or a, like an answer for that question because every woman is different. I think honestly, uh, that's been the answer this entire podcast. <laughs> Damn it! <laughs> it's like, well, you know. <laughs> I mean, come on though. There's, there's cons. Every so, I think you know, being the engineer. Chris is an engineer. Uh-huh. I'm an engineer. I don't know what your what what is your background in terms of in terms of that. Like, what were you doing in corporate and stuff? Me. Yeah, it doesn't really. Yeah, chiropractor. Okay, perfect. So you're 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 in that science world. You're in that analytical world. Perfect. (laughs) (laughs) So you want what Chris is asking? He's he wants some basic concepts. Yeah, like the advice for men. There's there's we're in the you know especially my age and and in the middle ages where people are getting divorced and now hitting the kind of the quote unquote, the market for the first time, the market, I hate that phrase, but I don't hate, but let's say, let's say there's a better phrase for that. Um, what they're, and they don't know what they're doing. Guys have kind of forgotten because they've been women. in a relationship and women. for a while. And women and too, women. but they've been in relationships for many years and now we're, you know, looking for a new relationship and, like what's the transition period what would you say what do you think men it would be good for them to know if you if you could say the top you know x amount of things that men it would be better for them to know about women before they tried to sleep with them right like deep core concepts that it's like hey guys you've heard these concepts here now go google them (laughs) <laughs> maybe go do some research maybe have have an appointment with dr shelley you know and and get go deeper on how you as a man like what are these concepts that that to embody to create that safe space to go deeper with a woman to go intimate like intimately deeper from a sexual perspective from a, an intellectual perspective from a physical perspective all of it so First, that comes back to the list, like for anybody getting back into the market or even for the younger generation who is dating and everything is now, you know, swipe right, swipe left. I mean, yeah, there are still some dating websites out there where you actually write long descriptions in all these different boxes, but we really need to know what do we want in a partner? We need to know that before going into a first date or even before we even go on a dating website and try to match with somebody. We need to really know what are we looking for? What are our wants? What are our desires in a partner? But also what do we not want? What are the deal breakers? Like, are you willing to, you know, date a woman who, I don't know, does blah, blah, blah. Like, is that a deal breaker for you? Is that, does that go against your values, your morality, your whatever? So that's step one. Step two for men, especially Take care of your sexual needs, wants, and desires before going on that first date so that you can actually clearly, and you're not missing the red flags due to the excitement and the lust and your awakening of your sexual energy, because you will get blindsided. You will like ignore some of those things that might be a deal breaker for you. 
because your sexual urges are like, ooh, okay, she's attractive. I'd like to have sex with her. But you're missing the fact that she embodies some of those things that you don't want in a partner. Because once you have sex with her, I mean, I call it like the three-stage relate. It's like you go on a date, maybe sex the first date or second date. By the third date, you're in a relationship. Wow. So take care of your sexual needs first. I think that's good. Keeps the mind clear. Hmm. Well, I don't know. The first thing that I got was go within and be self-aware of what your wants are. Be really clear on what you're looking for. And then, yeah, step two is like sexually resolve your urges before a date so that mentally, emotionally, physically, you know, spiritually, you are you are more grounded. Yeah, I like to think of that as like if I'm going out to someone's house for dinner, have a little snack before I go so I don't arrive so hungry that I'm just sitting at the uh, buffet table. (laughs) (laughs) Totally. Absolutely. Yeah, I love that. And then really for the man, it's just being like upfront and clear. Okay, this is what I'm looking for. Being willing to speak his truth without fear of being rejected without fear of nobody else coming along. Because unfortunately, this is a topic that is just unaddressed and is overlooked that men do struggle with self-worth issues, self-esteem issues, lack of confidence. We've bought in that those are only things that women struggle with. But I work with so many men who've been divorced, who have, you know, dealt with the stress of a relationship ending and, you know, whatever their divorce looked like. And now they're right. back into the dating world with less self-esteem because of whatever happened in their past relationship. So be right. willing to speak your truth. Like if you just want to date for a little bit and you don't want a relationship, be willing to tell her that before you even meet her. Hey, I just want to let you know, I do want to meet you. You sound like an amazing person. However, I am not looking for a relationship. Therefore, if you are looking for a relationship and you want a commitment pretty soon, I may not be the guy for you. And that's one of the things my husband told me before we even met. If you're looking for somebody to marry or to have kids with, I'm not your guy. And I said, hey, I never thought I'd be somebody who gets married and I definitely don't want kids. So let's meet. And (laughs) four dates later, we never left, you know? So it's just never say never. Right, right. I mean, and, and, and I love what you say, having, and it took me, it took me many years to be in a place where I can say, you know, and I wouldn't say it like, I just want to have sex with you and nothing else. Um, I don't think that's, I don't think that's very respectful. Um, what I do think is respectful is saying something along the lines of, I just got out of a really long relationship. I've decided I'm going to date a little bit. I am looking for another long-term relationship eventually. And what I'd like from you right now is to get to know you. Um, if we have sex, great. And to know that, like, if you're looking for dating too, that's okay for you to date other people as well. And that's where I am. And if you're not okay with that, that's fine too. I, you know, we don't have to even do anything. Like, this could be the only date we go on ever. And that's it. We're done. Wait, so and you just, start off with that? I always start off, I go on the date, because I'll tell you what, I, I think Shelly's point is very, very good, is when I go on a date, I have a pretty clear list of what I'm looking for in a partner. And I'm also, at the same time, I know that I have found people that were not on my list that I've created since new lists, because they were amazing in ways that I couldn't anticipate 
in the place I was. So for me, I enjoy going, sometimes when I'm in the mode, I enjoy going on dates and I'd be willing to go on people that maybe are close. They don't seem to have my list all neatly packaged up, but I'll enjoy the date and if and, and go on the date and enjoy it and talk and, and, and get to know people. But if there's going to be, you know, sex, especially, I think sex is a really good kind of boundary. You know, if you're just going to go on a date and then I, I'd say most of the dates I go on, it's pretty clear at some point towards the end of the date, this is not the kind of person that I would choose to keep, to keep kind of an ongoing relationship with. So I don't necessarily say that up front before I even go on the date. I don't personally. My, my kind of rule of thumb is generally by the end of the date, and I've had dates where I get a text shortly after where I thought the date went well, and it was like, hey, I had a really good time, Chris. Um, I don't think we're a match, though. So good luck in your dating. You're a really sweet guy, and I wish you well. And it's like, oh, I'm slightly disappointed, but at the same time, I'm really glad I'm not wasting any more time. And I think we all appreciate that. It, ne it never feels good to be rejected, <laughs> I don't think. So there's also some like, take a deep breath, breathe into the rejection. But there's also those times where you kind of both know it's probably, you know, we'll make this date nice, but we both know it's probably not, we're not a match. The hard part is when the other person really kind of wants the match and you don't. And now you've got to set a boundary. And I think there's ways to do it that's nice and there's ways to do it that's not so kind. Um, and so I think the easiest way, the kind of the, this, this, the cowardly way is to just ghost the person, right? Just ghost them until they <laughs> ghost go away. the person. That's not that's, masculine at all, damn it. That's what I'm saying. That's one end of the spectrum. That's one end of the spectrum. The other end of the spectrum, as a man or as anyone who's choosing to have that masculine boundary be set, is to be upfront and clear. And okay. how do you do that? <laughs> you know, if, you know, there's just been plenty, like, I think, I feel like it was both, it was a mutual. And I don't think we need to say, I don't think it feels good to me. This is how I feel. I don't think it feels good to say, yeah, I don't really like you that much enough to go on a second date with. <laughs> I'm just you. Yeah, I'm just. I, I just don't think that's kind. And I think, I think guys feel it and I think women feel it. And I think guys, you know, but the, 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 I think the issue I have. Some guys men, need to hear that. Sometimes. Yeah, some guys, guys. <laughs> the issue I have with men is men don't get the subtle signs, right? Shelly, would you agree that the men don't pick up the signs as easily as the women do? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they're not looking for them. Their heads are all in their, in their dit, in their pants. <laughs> yes. Hence, why take care of your sexual needs before you go on the date so you're actually thinking clearly. And again, I think it just comes back to not taking rejection personally. Like the whole point of dating is to like go through people to find somebody who matches with you at every level of attraction, physical, mental, emotional, financial, sexual, spiritual, and social. Like when we can have this list and go and be able to reject people in that like sacred way. You know what? I so enjoyed my time with you. You are an amazing human being, but I just don't think we're compatible or something along those lines, like whatever resonates with your soul in a way to compliment the person, but just let them know, you know, I appreciated our time, but I don't see this working out. And as a man to be able to hear that, I know so many men that get mad at, and they want to then 
shame and blame the woman. Yes. That, no, you did this and you were a bitch anyway and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, be willing as a man to be the, to be the anchor in your boat, to be the rock, to hear the truth and use that truth. Because if you're looking to find that, that ideal smoking hot goddess woman that you want to have sex with, that you want to be with, then you've got to be willing to become that kind of person that the goddess wants to sleep with in the first place. And that's going to require some of the evolution sometimes. Well, and if you're going to get butt hurt because maybe she rejects you or whatever, are you, I mean, that's your ego. Like, are you willing to allow her? As I started this out with the feminine is the guiding light. Is your ego going to get hurt when she wants to introduce you to, let's say, new ways of doing sex? If she's tapped into tantra, are you going to allow her to awaken you to tantric conscious sex? Are you going to, no, no, no. I know my way and that's my way. And you're telling me I'm doing something wrong. We have to be willing to put our egos aside and go, you know what? I'm open to expanding and learning and growing from this. And that's where both men and women have to consciously evolve to not taking things personally, to not getting butt hurt, to not allowing their ego show up, to really just looking at things as going, wow, this is an amazing experience that's contributing to my evolution. Mm. Shelly, I just want to be very clear with you. I am open to tantric sex. You're amazing. <laughs> and I know you said you and I talked about that a little bit before Chris came on. And I want to hear about what that means to you and specifically what that means in the month of November. Yeah. So Chris, younger Chris, younger brother Chris, you missed it. Older brother Chris and I were talking about before you joined us about <laughs> this challenge that's going around in November. No, not yeah. November. No, not November, right? Yes. And, yeah. you know, we were talking about just how many men have either reached out to me or commented on my post about how they cannot give up ejaculating, because that's really the challenge. It's to stop mindlessly ejaculating during the month of November and to awaken themselves to learning how to separate their orgasm from ejaculation. And the analogy I was giving Chris from some of these responses from men who are like, oh no, I can't do this challenge. It's like, so I'm trying, me as the feminine, I'm trying to awaken you to what else is possible. So it's like, you have a penny, and that penny is like worth so much to you. You love it. You're addicted to that penny. And I'm telling you, if you were to just let go of that penny for one month, by the end of this month, you're going to have $100, maybe $1,000, <laughs> even $10,000, like something that you've never known before you're going to have. But what I'm seeing is like the masculine is no, no, no. My penny, I've decided my penny is so amazing and so worthy. And I can't let that go. I can't give that up to see what else is possible. So that's where we're tying this back into like, if we can just put our egos aside and go, you know what? Share more, teach me more, awaken me to something else. Yes. Yes. And And that's, and that's where it's at. Yeah, totally. Like, are we willing to, again, that penny is like our ego. Are we willing to let go of our ego and not take it personal and go, you know what? Tell me more. Awaken me. And that's in relationships. So, you know, go ahead, Chris. Go ahead. 
Well, I just I, I think it's really powerful to mention that yes, ego is involved, and, and we're not trying to hate on ego. Ego is a part of self, and it's definitely there for balance and, and all of that goodness. But when ego is out of whack, these are the things that happen, right? So uh, I think that it's it's important to mention that I think fear is also involved. Um, mm-hmm. This mm-hmm. this idea that we may not get tomorrow, I may not get 30 days. And so what's the point? Mm. Well, and taking so it keep one going. step <laughs> deeper, it's like, how yeah. much of that fear is like fear of the ego death? Like, wow, if I give up my ego, right. what exists? If that's all I've mm. known, who am I without that? Who am I without my ejaculation? So <sighs> when I work with men and plant medicine ceremonies, and their ego dies. It's amazing what shows up. And I keep seeing this recurring pattern in the first ceremony with every single man. It's the same programming that shows up, like literally carbon copy, same programming for women. It's different. Like in their first ceremony, it's whatever abuse or trauma or wound or self-worth or lack of self-love they're dealing with. For men, it's the same thing every time. And it's how they've connected their erection and ejaculation to their masculinity, to their manlyhood, to who they oh, are, God. to their worth. Wow. Yeah, wow is wow is right. Yeah, and all that's good is my erection. And there is a lot to that. I mean, there is a lot of, hey, I'm a man, you know, here's my erection to prove it. <laughs> and my ejaculation. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, I I was seeing your Instagram and there's a lot of statistics that you had on there. Testosterone boosting up like 45% after a week. Exactly. Like that's, that's not even that long. I mean, we, people will do, you know, binges for food. People will change their diets. People will go and do cleanses and fasts, but like fasting from ejaculation for a week gets you a 45% boost. What if you got a 45% boost just to bring back what you were bring, like talking about in your finances in a week? Everyone would be doing that. Exactly. Thank you. Like, that's what's possible. And Napoleon Hill, he talked about it in his book, Think and Grow Rich. Sexual transmutation, when you direct your sexual energy, which gets awakened by these sexual desires and urges, if we cannot give into the urge to go and masturbate and ejaculate or go and have sex and ejaculate, if we can just divert that energy into our work, into our projects and passion, we can create so much more. It's, it's amazing. One of the things, one of the, you know, I, I, I give, that's my favorite advice, by the way, to give to men, to take their sexual experience and their sexual prowess to the, the next level. And it really does. And I love your from a penny to a hundred dollars. It's like, it's that amazing. And it's, it's, it's so interesting how much the ejaculation is the focus, whether we consciously or subconsciously are aware and when you take that away, so when you go into a lovemaking episode and you say, I am not going to ejaculate, what does, what does, what does that do to that, that episode? What does that do to that event? And for me, what it does, in my experience, is you're going in without a goal. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a non-goal-oriented experience. So then if ejaculation isn't the goal, then what is the goal? And what happens is... The goal becomes, well, I'm going to make love to this woman. 
I am going to connect with her sexually. I'm not going to come. What am I going to do then? I am going to ebb and flow. And so the sex gets intense and then it, then it ebbs into this slow. And then sometimes it stops altogether. And the goal becomes other than an orgasm. The goal becomes there is no goal. It's just pure presence. It's pure. I am experiencing her sensual sexual energy and that's why I'm doing this. And it feels amazing. And, and when you talk about what is the feminine, what does it mean to be worthy as a feminine? It means to be seen, desired, to be, to be what you said, chosen. So when I'm making love without the goal of orgasm, I am fully ravishing this feminine energy. And when you talk, so now getting back to the shift, shifting out of work mode as a woman and into I'm a feminine goddess or whatever. And, you know, some people are triggered by that word. So it doesn't have to be a goddess. <laughs> for me, it's a goddess. That's what I love. And so to shift out of that, the, the No Nut November can be one, one minor step, the first stage in experiencing how can I shift this energy? from work to it's just um, we're gonna have sex and it's just i'm gonna i'm going to ravish you in pure desire which is not selfish because i'm not gonna get an orgasm out of it as a man but what i am gonna get is an experience that i haven't experienced before if if you're not if you haven't done this before it shifts into a very different expression Mm. of connection because when it's I'm going to do this so that I'm going to give you oral because I want oral because then I can, you know, this and then, then I'll come. And so you get all that, like, then the script goes out and, you know, especially if you're, if your lovemaking becomes stale because you have this script because you're goal-oriented. I know how to come. I know how I can, I know what I have to do with her so that I'll come. And so I just do that and it becomes kind of scripted and boring. So anyway, all I, all I can say is yes, yes, yes. Every man. At least one time, start with having a lovemaking session without the goal of orgasm. And practice that by not (laughs) masturbating and coming for a week. Like, (laughs) you want to have better sex with a woman and and increase your testosterone and, and connect in a way and be more confident and be more of the masculine man? It's like, you know, do some fasting. (laughs) Well, yeah, and it goes like... You know, I'm just this one client keeps coming to mind because, you know, he's in the corporate world, stressed out financially because, you know, the weight of the entire household is on his shoulders. And he came for a plant medicine ceremony. And like that first toxic programming came up of like, fuck, I have all this pressure that then spills over into my sex life, like this pressure to perform. And he was struggling with premature ejaculation. And even erectile dysfunction to the point of like, he doesn't even know if he can get it up. And then is he going to last? So he would avoid sex. So there was no connection in mm. his relationship. So when this toxic programming showed up wow. and there was so much anger of like, wow, fuck this person that told me this, like, fuck my dad for this programming that he sold me that I have to be a man and I can't have emotions and I got to be this and strong and supportive and that like he was just going through the layers of the programming. And when we finally got to that like sexual piece, the words that came out of his mouth is, oh my God, 
any little bit of pleasure that I have felt, I have to do something with it. Like he's linked and associated that any pleasure he feels, any, 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 any at all, it has to lead to him performing. It has to lead to him having an erection. It has to lead to him lasting X amount of time. It has to lead to him fulfilling this role of the stallion in the bedroom. And just by him reprogramming his subconscious mind and like me questioning him and going, yeah, but what if you could feel pleasure and not have to do anything with it? What if your erection doesn't equate to your masculinity? Like what if we can just disassociate all of these connections that you made? Literally after his ceremony, he goes home and his wife messages me and she's just like, what did you do to my husband? She's like, he has never touched me this way. Like he could not keep his hands off of her. Cause why? He didn't need to perform. There were, there was no performance anxiety. There was no like, oh my God, am I going to get it up? Not get it up. And actually a couple weeks later, he had messaged me and he's like, wow, like my EDPE completely went away because he's no longer stressing about it. All the pressure just melted away because now he can just show up without having that attachment to the end goal because she's really in her feminine. So she loves to dance. She loves that journey. He was the one approaching sex from that masculine viewpoint that it's end goal oriented. He has to ejaculate. He has to have an erection. So when he was able to just allow all of that, he can now approach sex from a more feminine standpoint of enjoying the journey. It not about being about the destination. And literally she's like, I've never been touched, treated, adored, honored, made love to in this way in 18 years. Getting back to the, the man and his equation, he was equating sexual virility, virility with the heart on. I can totally, totally relate because something happened in my 20s where I lost my erection and it freaked me out. And I went for weeks with such a fear of not being able to have an erection that it very much affected me. And that was in my 20s. So this this kind of was a recurring, I'm going to say, fear, like this I don't know, anxiety around sex that happened. And then at some point, I flipped the script and I decided to own my, you know, my flaccidity. Yes. <laughs> I'm going to own it and say, hey, for whatever reason, I'm not getting hard right now. It's nothing to do with my desire for you. And so can we just play in other ways? And I have had the biggest positive feedback when I when I come from the point of empower like talk about sexual empowerment like I'm going to empower myself without an erection and generally just you know can we just not play with an erection right now gives me the space I generally get one in that space anyway but to your point it is so true just being allowed to not have to have one because there's other things we can do. We know all kinds of, I can use my fingers and my tongue and my elbow and my toe. And there's all kinds of ways to touch and to be sexual. But not only that, what if you can have an orgasm without an erection? That's possible for men. Oh, oh, Shelly. (laughs) That's possible when men learn how to channel the sexual energy up through their body, how to breathe. Like you literally. No. So hold on before you get into this, before you get into this. So I, because I'm thinking from the guy's perspective, why would I do that? Does it feel better? Does it feel longer? Does it like, what are the, like, 
Mm. Like, I'll, what do you I'll, mean I'll, by orgasm without doing that? I'll answer it first, and then Shelly, I want to hear your answer too. So for me, okay. it's about nine. I like to think of it as it's ninety percent. Like, uh, like if if the ejaculation, the way I feel when I ejaculate actually is my one hundred percent, then my energy orgasm, I call them energy orgasms, are ninety percent. But the upside, so I don't get the full hundred percent. But what I do get is three, four, or five ninety percents. And think about it. It's like if you can get ninety percent of that feeling four or five times, that's pretty good. <laughs> I mean, your your ROI here, your yeah. ROI here is pretty yeah. good here. In a very masculine way, and say, okay, on this date. You know, I had sex four times and I orgasmed them once. But in the four in the other three times, including the fourth one where I did orgasm, I had three or four energy orgasms. You know, I'm really coming out ahead. No pun intended. <laughs> pun totally intended. Absolutely. And I love that analogy of the three or four ninety percent adding up because truly like men have that refractory period. So if they ejaculate, they usually take about 45 minutes if they want to ejaculate again. But when they can separate their ejaculation from an orgasm and have pure orgasms, energy orgasms, full body orgasms, breast orgasms, skin orgasms, like there are seven different types of orgasms a man can have. When he can tap into the Yeah, we need to have another episode with this one. (laughs) And solely talk about the seven ways of orgasming. And so we'll we'll, we'll get more into that. I'm writing this down. I've kind of gone on two hours, so I'm kind of like, okay, let's maybe clean, clean, finish this up a little bit. But we're not cleaning anything up. Trust me, we're going to keep it right where it needs to be in the juice. But I want you to talk about like, how just quickly because i think this is a full episode of how to actually do it but just kind of quickly if someone's going to be like yeah i'm going to try to have it what are what do you tell people to to do what are some of the ways you can practice an energy full body non non ejaculatory orgasm breath is your best friend learning breath. how to control mm. your breath is going to allow you to learn how to control your sexual energy when it awakens and I do have a free meditation teaching people how to breathe and move the sexual energy that awakens at your perineum. Um, so I can always give you guys that link as well. So you can offer it to people. So they can, it's a seven minute guided meditation, literally on just circulating your sexual energy with your breath. That is the first step in going from ejaculating to orgasming without ejaculating. Nice. And I also practice the squeezing of the perineum, the mula bandha. Talk, can you talk about that? Yes. Well, that actually goes hand in hand with the breath in this seven-minute guided meditation. It's nice. like inhaling while you're contracting your pelvic floor muscles, exhaling, relaxing them, but it's different versions. So then inhaling while they're relaxed, exhaling while they're contracted, and then contracting them on the inhale and the exhale while you're circulating the sexual energy up through all of your glands, up into your higher energy centers. I mean, this literally helps you to balance your hormones, increase your immune system, enhance your creativity, allow you to direct this energy into your work and wealth and success. It gives you that energetic boost where most men, when they ejaculate, they feel tired afterwards, which is why a lot of professional athletes 
are abstaining from sex, but sex itself is not the problem. Ejaculating is the problem for men because they're literally losing their chi, their life force energy, their sexual energy every time they ejaculate. So there's so many additional benefits to just learning how to even channel this sexual energy when you get turned on. Like when you get turned on, do this seven minute guided meditation with breath, with visualizations. It's a meditation. It's the pelvic floor contractions. And you're going to notice your productivity is increased. You can get so much more done in so less time. So there's so many additional benefits in addition to the normal sex benefits just from channeling the sexual energy into your higher energy centers. Thousands yeah, of years ago. First... Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Thousands of years ago. Oh, I was just going to say, um, yeah, I know there's a lot of other benefits, but I'm just really, I just really care about the sex benefits. <laughs> when I when I first started about ten years ago, just to talk about that, um, it's like if you've had your muscle in a cast, you've ever ever been in a cast, in a, for example, they, they, you know their wrist or their ankle, and they have to put in a cast, and then their 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 leg or arm becomes really weak in that four or five six week period, and when you come out, your muscles have to be kind of regrown, and you quickly come back up, but those first couple days, you're so weak. And what I discovered is when I first started squeezing my mulabanda that 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 you, that, you, that you talk about in your in your and everyone you know everyone do this seven minutes take seven minutes of your life to practice this it will change your life. When I first started doing it, I could only hold it for maybe one or two seconds before I just didn't have the strength mm-hmm. to hold it anymore. Whereas after time and after practice, I can hold it for 10, 20 seconds now. So. You know, it does take time because if there's a muscle you've never used, right. then that's just how it works. So I just wanted to give people that. But no, but I love all the science and the thousands of years, the ancient wisdom around this. I was just looking for better sex. But, you know, talk to a little bit about some of the other things we're getting. Well, I think the science brings it together. Uh, you know, if someone coming from an analytical space, which a lot of men do, you know, I think the science is like, oh, there's some tangibility to this information you're presenting to me that wasn't taught to me at Harvard or Yale or wherever I went to school. <laughs> like, like, oh, there's this information that's, oh, it sounds new. And it's like, no, actually, this information is thousands of years old. Oh, so it just becomes a little bit more credible, um, I feel, to, for me, you know, um, to know that this information is uh, of ancient wisdom, to say. Yes, absolutely. And that's where, you know, I love to bridge that gap between ancient wisdom and science, because so many people are analytical that when they can piece it together, it's like, oh, that makes sense. I mean, even that scientific study showing that not ejaculating for one week increases your testosterone by 45%. And that was a study with people who didn't even know how to do these tantric or Taoist practices to channel the sexual energy up into their master hormonal glands to balance their hormones, to increase more testosterone production. So imagine that same study with these techniques squeezing your pelvic floor muscles, strengthening them, breathing. I mean, I have an online course for men with over, I haven't counted, probably 20 different techniques and practices that men can do to really learn how to control and channel this energy in their body. So like the possibilities are endless. And for 
my husband and some of the men I've worked with, for them, it's the deepest meditation possible. But coming back to this dynamic between men and women and how we do sex, usually the masculine and the, or the man is the active one in the sex life. For a man to truly have this kind of experience with his partner, he needs to be the passive one. He needs to be the one that can just lay there and allow the feminine, the woman to facilitate his body, to dance with it, to awaken the energy, to keep him turned on, to keep him in that space. So when he can just lay back and receive, which for a lot of men, I mean, that's another step that they have to break through. Like I have to give up control and just lay and receive. And that's a feminine energy. Exactly. But when he can do that, he can awaken to, I mean, just a deeper spiritual connection, this connection with the divine where men literally can like get downloads of wisdom information. My husband wrote his book from channeling his sexual energy. I've had other clients who are just like, wow, my God, my business exploded. I had this idea, that idea. Wealth is coming out of nowhere, you know, like they truly tap into their higher self. They start vibrating at a higher frequency where things just work right. out because they're in alignment right. with their soul. Right. I, they're in I more hope. of balance. And the balance yes. that is understood culturally, socially, systemically is 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 innately out of balance. Amen. Amen. Wow. We've learned a lot today, haven't we? <laughs> Wow. We learned about the wounded and the divine masculine. We learned about the different energies. Uh, we talked about um, sensing and how to sense your partner and connect with them and your soul contracts, divorce and remarry every day. Uh, talked about being a boat on an ocean. Talked about how important it is, really important to wash your glass after you make your smoothie. that is you know Um, those are the it's the day-to-day it's the day-to-day that matters most (laughs) would you rather be right or would you rather be free i love that statement i'm choosing to remember that every day of the rest of my life would i rather be right or i rather be free and so always never use the word always and never (laughs) never (laughs) never use the word always I always use the number. Okay, anyway. Um, yeah. And being open to sex without ejaculation for all, not only the physical reasons, but also the connection, the reasons we connect. Right. And, like letting go of that story around sex, whatever it means, you know, if that means yeah. ejaculating, if that means not ejaculating, if that means having to perform in some way, it's like, can you, are you willing to tell yourself a different story or listen to a different story? Yes. Yeah. And it's definitely been, there's definitely been a lot of, uh, of, of things to catch up with you. Uh, Shelly, it's been great talking to you and catching up with this has been an amazing <laughs> reawakening of all the things that, that we love to share. It's been such a pleasure. I know we could just mm. keep going on and on and on, but that's for next oh, episode. <laughs> seven, seven ways of orgasms. Trust me, that that ain't, you're not getting away from that one. We're definitely doing an episode on that. Uh, <laughs> Uh, men need to hear that when we need to hear that we need to hear the possibilities that that we're allowed that as well exactly it's available to us i i can only imagine that this this guy that you were talking about and i'm sure there's many more where they've come and <laughs> they, they, they've shown up i should say to your to, to the these this wisdom <laughs> and it's totally 
completely changed their life. I mean, that's amazing. Yeah. And just watching that and seeing the transformation, it's just like, ah, oh, that's why I do what I do. That's why I love doing what I do. That's why I gave up my right. chiropractic office to focus on this. Because I mean, when I got that message from my friend where she's like, my husband's not touched me or adored me this way in eight years. What did you do? Like that was one day we spent six hours in a plant medicine ceremony one day. That is what is possible. That's transformation. Wow. That's bringing balance back into relationships. Absolutely. I mean, that's just like no amount of money can make me that happy. Like that right, alone right. was like, wow. And that's what the feminine brings to the masculine. So a man in his masculine loses sight of that deep connection with the earth and the, and, and the world and that, that, and that feminine energy that makes us feel alive and makes us feel really like, what is this all for? What is all this money and success and power that I'm choosing and trying to create in my life? What does it mean without the feminine energy? Yeah. That, that yeah. means nothing. It <laughs> means nothing. <laughs> Exactly. And that's why this work is like so important, especially right now, just with the awakening of the divine feminine, the healing of Mother Earth, the pandemic, the stress. I mean, people need to know that a different reality is possible. A different way of being is possible, but it's up to mm -hmm. us. Yeah. And asking what's possible and allowing allowing that to dictate instead of trying to be right or defend, you know, what else is possible? What if I just heard this criticism and took it in and just allowed it and just laughed at being like, yeah, I was being an asshole just then or whatever. Yeah. Awakening to this new divine energy that is, it is, you feel it, right? I mean, we, we feel this. I mean, there is an awakening of the divine masculine and feminine it's, it's it's something's happening right that's not just me right yeah for sure yeah it's definitely not just you uh, <laughs> yeah i i <laughs> throughout the awakening you know i think it's important to realize though that you know laughing at yourself during those moments is equally as important as processing the emotions and feelings that came up you know what I mean? So it's like, it's, yeah, it's like good to move forward and be like, yeah, laugh at the anger, especially in the moment, especially if you're creating dynamic with someone. Um, but I would say it's equally as important to process that and be like, mm -hmm. oh, am I still angry from before? Am I holding on to something that isn't really congruent with who I want to be or where, or where I want to go, you know, um, with this relationship or with myself? Absolutely. I just, you know, I feel like there's this culture around like laughing at things and kind of laughing things off and not really sitting with being in integrity and honoring the actual emotions and feelings that are coming up. Well, and that's where it's important for everybody to invest in doing their own inner work mm -hmm. instead of just living in that superficial, you know, laughing it off and, oh, I don't need to look at that. I don't need to go within. It's no right. different than if we get triggered and just being with the trigger and not really digging into it and looking at it and examining it and asking why are we triggered? Right. So yeah. I mean, you know, the anxiety, we just need to go deep. Right. Right. And it takes, it takes the personal work, like the, the conversations we're having, I mean, they're pretty, some, sometimes they get a little bit 
down in the depths, but they're pretty high level when it comes to, it's like you have to have this basis or this understanding of self in order to self-realization and, and in that journey um, to, to kind of um, fully understand what this practice looks like. And so it truly is a practice, you know? Um, I mean, I started on this journey three, four years ago and I mean, I love it because I continue continually learn new ways of of practicing uh, being the the man that I want to be. Mm. It's work, yo, and it's good work. It's fun work, and I'm having a yeah. lot more fun with it. And I like what you said, Shelley. Invest in your inner, because yep. I mean, the ROI is so much greater when we're actually investing in ourselves we get more out of life because how many of us are just living what is it lives of quiet desperation yeah and this, this is a theme and it's time to wake up and the fact that you have access you're in mexico so there are things you're allowed to do there with plant medicine and mm. i and just allowing the 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 the, 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 plant, the, the nature the mother to help awaken it's She's here to guide us. And that feminine energy that you hold in that in those spaces is so important to be like, in a sense, the anchor. You're holding the feminine anchor so that or maybe it's the feminine focus so that um, that those those aspects can be awakened because there, there has to be a, a dance between the divine masculine and feminine. It's, we get out of balance and that creates these issues. So coming into balance with what you do and your, your, like you said, the plant medicine and, and awakening of these divine energies within us is such an amazing experience we have. We get to have it these days. This is, this is all coming together now. It's beautiful. It is. And it's such a beautiful dance to even watch the divine mother, like communicate people in that medicines. It's like, oh, there's just no words. I think you just summed it up perfectly there of just, well, as I like to say, just for returning home to our true nature. Mm. And what else is there? What else is more important than being with someone you love, connecting with them sexually, but not only just sexually, just connecting with them on a way that fills that hole, that deep yearning for connection. We all have this deep yearning for connection and we fill it. If we're not filling it with true connection, we're filling it with addiction. We're filling mm. it with gambling or porn or legal and illegal drugs or gossip or Facebook or TV or these things that are just sort of striving to, to just grasping for these short, tiny instances of pleasure where we can get out of our, our lonely disconnect and internal suffering and coming out of that into a space of actually actively moving towards being in full joy. Absolutely. No, absolutely. Mm. I totally agree. And that's why you're doing what you're doing. I'm glad, I'm glad you are. And I'm glad we were able to, you know, talk to you and give our listeners a piece of what it feels like to, to, to dance at a, you know, at a more fully integrated masculine feminine and i think that's really important and i think as a man as men it's important that we recognize when it's time to be a man and what that means it doesn't mean you know being angry and being a jerk like it like it did for our parents and grandparents it means more 
being willing to to receive and to to hold that anchor and 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 not take things personally and 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 stepping up as men to be able to hold these beautiful spaces and thank you for sharing all the ways we can do that for all the advice it's been an amazing you know podcast really appreciate you coming on and i i we are both excited for you to come back i hope to join us again yeah you know i think it's amazing that you know we're we're able to see that or at least have the discussion that you know men have a role in this dynamic as well as women and to know that it's this ebb and flow with between each other and you're not alone you know <laughs> I, I love the content that came from this podcast and i very much look forward to more with you dr shelley well i look forward to more as well because there is so much more and like both of you said both the masculine and feminine are needed. One is not superior to the other. We don't need to fight to be equal because we're both amazing in our mm. own regards. So I think we really need to like, we need to stop fighting to be equal. Like we need to just acknowledge that <laughs> wow. both are fucking amazing. Both are needed in this world. Both have their own traits and qualities. Yeah. Mm. There are no two humans that are equal, let alone genders. Let's embrace and and really celebrate the differences because the differences are what create polarity is what creates sexual excitement and we want sexual excitement we choose amen exactly exactly so i think if anything can be taken from this episode it's just both the masculine and feminine are needed let's celebrate them both they are different but we don't need to fight for equality. One doesn't need to be superior to the other. We need to stop judging. Like, let's just come yes. into balance. Let's create yes. this sacred union within us and then yes. externally in all of our relationships. Yes, oh, wow. because it, so. it plays out in every relationship. So yeah. start with yourself, number one, then move that into your partner and really, really do the inner work there. And it will flow out into the rest of our world. Yes, it will. All right. Well, thank you both for being just this, the divine masculine and creating those analytical lists for me. So I could flow and I could be in my feminine during this podcast. That is just right there, a beautiful reflection of what is possible between men and right. women. Right on. And celebrating that it's okay if we bounce around all over the place. There wasn't a path to get there that is direct. The path... The path wanders and that's okay. And that's embracing and letting go and resisting. It has to be a certain way and just allowing as a man, allowing it to flow wherever it flows. Well, isn't that part of enjoying the journey and letting go of the destination? I know, right? It's like <laughs> how many times have we experienced things that were amazing that were off the plan Yes. in life, exactly. like, like, like in real, like real plans where you're going on a journey, where you're driving somewhere and you get lost and you find this coffee shop that ends up being amazing and you have these great experiences and that becomes, you know, the best part of your vacation or whatever. I mean, this happens, you know, like physically in the world, but can also happen emotionally to let go of the way, well, again, let go of being right, let go of having an idea of the way it must be and allowing seeing and i love i love the what's possible i love it let's see what's possible and be willing to experience the what's possible yeah well it takes it it takes us back to our roots of being creative and fun and playful and joyful and living in the moment being childlike 
Yeah, I don't want to do that. <laughs> There's so many. It's so. No, I, Why is it so I, hard I, for I, some men to just, or even some women? I mean, there are women that are very, especially the corporate masculine and women who are like, we have an idea of the way things should be. Yeah. And we get so attached. It should be this way. And people should act like this. And my family should this. And everyone should that. And why, why as humans are we so into that? What is that, Shelly? Oh, again, we're just attached to being right. Our way is the right way. Mm, so true. Thank you for being our first guest. When I thought who's going to be on here, I was like, it's got to be Shelly. Got to be Dr. Shelly, the empowerment uh, coach. Because it's true. We're, we're ready. The world is ready for some sexual empowerment because that is that's the essence of, of, of masculine energy and feminine energy working together. I'm so honored. Thank you so much for making me your first guest. I'm just so honored and grateful. <laughs> much love. Much love. Mwah.